This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. The role of a police officer has become increasingly controversial to some who believe many officers abuse their power. I think it's nationwide that we're feeling the challenges. With that in mind, some Colorado police departments are working on policies that will reconnect them with their communities. This week, we're having a real talk about policing plans and policies and how agencies in Colorado are working to diversify their ranks. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. Each week in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we'll have a real talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. The past few years have seen calls for police reform as more evidence of racial discrimination and excessive force, amongst other things, have emerged. Colorado law enforcement is no exception. From the death of Elijah McClain in 2019 to the shooting of Jordell Richardson by an Aurora police officer. Now, some departments in Colorado are working on new policies that promote equity and community engagement. Boulder City Council unanimously approved a new policing strategy called the Reimagined Policing Plan. The department's proposal takes a more holistic approach to law enforcement. Instead of taking more people to jail, the Reimagined Policing Plan focuses on getting officers out into the community. Our officers are going to be able to spend 42% of their time out in the community working with, the, with their neighborhoods, coming up with solutions. We've had a lot of master plans in the past. Those master plans really focused on numbers, focused on how many people we're going to have on patrol, how many people we're going to have on traffic. Well, business owners on the Pearl Street Mall say more officers are needed to combat crime near their storefronts. In Denver, the police department is taking a different approach. The DPD Women's Community Academy aims to recruit more female officers. Right now, only 16% of sworn officers in the department are women. This year, 30 women attended the Community Academy to learn more about a career in law enforcement. They were able to interact with things like video training simulations, and the goal is to have current participants join the next Denver Police Academy class. By 2030, the department hopes to have 30% of all new recruits be women. We typically see about 40% of our participants uh, express that interest and in turn apply for the next Academy class. Well, in Aurora, there's a shortage of police officers, and while the department works to grow its ranks, it hopes to do so with more diverse recruits. Denver Severance Branded Richard explains. When Abdul Sadie immigrated to the United States with his family in 1981, he knew just a handful of English words. Today, he's on the front lines, helping the Aurora Police Department deal with one of its biggest challenges, a police officer shortage. I think the challenge is nationwide, so it's not just only for APD. I think it's nationwide that we're feeling the challenges. Since the beginning of this year, APD has lost 57 officers. That includes 23 due to retirement. The department has only been able to replace 38 of those 57 officers. As a recruiter, the shortage makes Officer Sadie's job that more important, which is why he spends a lot of time in the community. Yeah, we're heavily involved in community events, not only in the city of Aurora, but in Denver and other places within the metro area. We try to get out, try to get to the community, and try to find folks to come join our ranks. Now, APD makes a point to attend community events like Global Fest here, which helps them increase their potential pool of candidates from underrepresented communities. Creating a more diverse force is one of the goals outlined in the department's new recruitment plan. 
Since 2021, Aurora's been under a consent decree following an investigation by the Attorney General's office that found the department had a pattern and practice of racially biased policing and using excessive force. The consent decree required the department to create a recruitment plan outlining how it will attract and retain officers from underrepresented groups, including people of color and women. It's a reflection of our community, and I think for us to be a reflection of our community, we need to have a workforce that looks like one. Officer Sadie says he is living proof that the doors of APD are open for anyone who wants to serve. In Aurora, Brandon Richard, Denver 7. We talk a lot about the issues in policing being systemic. Well, right. one way to try to change that system is to recruit officers that reflect the communities that they serve. As that officer just said, um, it's easier said than done. Coming up, a look at how one community college is hoping to increase the number of police recruits while also increasing diversity in a major metro city. Up next, a vice president of the Community College of Aurora joins us. This is Real Talk from Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. Aurora is one of the state's most culturally diverse cities, a melting pot of people from all over the world. Following the death of Elijah McClain in 2019, the Aurora Police Department has been under a consent decree. That decree lays out fixes for how the department interacts with people of color, as well as the diversity of its police officers. Now, like many departments across the country, recruitment for police officers in Aurora has been tough. And that's left current officers overworked and often stressed. Yeah, and that's where the Community College of Aurora comes in. They're launching a program that in time could boost recruitment numbers in Aurora while giving students the chance to earn an associate's degree for free. And I should say they really want to get the word out about this program. <laughs> yes. Well, joining us now is Bobby Pace, Vice President of Academic Success at CCA. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for to be here. So the Community College of Aurora has had a program aimed at training uh, police officers for years. Why this new approach called the Cadet Pilot Program? Sure. And I want to do one correction. Um, it is not necessarily free, uh, but it is free after students have completed three years of service with either the city of Aurora or the Aurora Police Department. So it's more of a loan forgiveness program. Got it. But yeah. still, an associate's degree with, you know, something at the end of it is also very popular. A hundred percent. And that includes fees, books, tuition, everything. So it's inclusive. Um, but back to your question about the police program that we've had at the community college. Uh, we've had one for decades and we have an amazing team of individuals who have been in that program. But we started our program as a part-time program. So it was nights and weekends. Uh, it took about nine months for students to be able to go through and times have really changed in terms of what individuals want in terms of their career choices, right? And so whenever you think about a career technical program, folks want to get their degree and they want to go straight into industry. And of course, if you want to be a police officer or firefighter or any kind of public servant, you don't want to wait a long time to be able to do that. You really want to help your community immediately. And so we have seen dwindling numbers. Um, in fact, this past year, we had about six students that went through our program. Um, and while that's certainly good, uh, it's not as high as we would like to see, and it's certainly not as high as it's been in the past years. And so one of the opportunities uh, that came up with the city of Aurora was a conversation about how we might be able to increase the number of students that we see interested uh, in police uh, programming, but perhaps are not able to get into our academy and go through that process. Um, and another thing about our academy that I think is important to know is that the city of Aurora has their own police academy. And so if you go to ours, 
you can't go into the police academy in Aurora. You'd have to redo everything all over again. So for our students, it's really not an effective way for them to enter the law enforcement agency in the city of Aurora. So this new partnership is really designed to earn students an associate's degree within two years, going full-time, and at the same moment, they're a part of a cadet program with the city of Aurora, uh, earning both their degree, their associate's degree, but then also earning them an opportunity to join a exclusive class of students uh, at the Aurora Police Department. So what does the coursework look like for this program? So it is open to any degree. And that was something we were really focused on. We wanted to make sure that it wasn't just criminal justice students, though I would imagine that's probably going to be the majority, um, but that it was a really diverse group of students, whether that be in communication, whether that be in diesel power mechanics, uh, you know, that could be in accounting and finance, anything. You can get your degree in absolutely anything, as long as it's an associate's degree. And coupled with that will be five core courses that will be focused in uh, political science. So American state and local, so that folks really understand particularly that state and local element of where they serve and who they serve. A contemporary political issues class uh, that's really being able to refine whatever is the major topic within policing at that moment in time. So every year that can change. And then a lot of communication classes, things like intercultural communication, which is extremely important. Uh, the idea of negotiation and how to deal with difficult people. Not that any of us do that, but if we needed to, it would be nice to have that training uh, as a police cadet. And there is this uh, this air that things there's tension between communities, particularly community of colors, color as well as the police departments and, and, and the officers that serve them. Um, in your press release, you mentioned that the community college of aurora is as diverse as the city of aurora is that the the thought process that with the different um uh, cultures in your community college you may also then translate that to potential future officers on the aurora police force 100 percent. i'm glad that you mentioned that because we're not just as diverse as the city of aurora we're actually the most the community college of aurora is the most diverse institution of higher education in the state of colorado mm. and so we have over 65 percent of our students are students of color and that represents uh, about a seven percent that's an international student population and so we know that our students are coming from the city of aurora we know they represent every ward in the city of aurora um, both on the kind of the cherry creek area the Aurora Public School area, the Denver Public School area, I mean, across the board, these recruits are coming out. And we want to make sure that the city of Aurora is uh, represented in its police department by citizens of the city of Aurora. And so absolutely, we believe that uh, we will increase the number of diverse uh, individuals and candidates that will apply for the programming, um, but also that we will have an opportunity and a pipeline for our students to be able to gain employment and social and economic mobility. But I think there's also the flip side. What makes you think that students who may be seeing the climate currently wanting to go into the police force and then saying, I want to go to this this program with you? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think that's part of the responsibility that both we and the uh, War Police Department have in terms of a recruitment process. I can tell you that our police uh, cadet program, uh, as it currently stands, is relatively diverse. Granted, it's six students uh, in the past year, so it's still going to have a few numbers, but it's relatively diverse. And we have a large number of students that are interested in criminal justice. And of course, if you're interested in criminal justice, that could be for justice reform, but that could also be for policing. And remember, 
uh, with this program, while they will go into ideally the police department and serve in the police department itself, they also may choose not to go into the police academy itself, but to serve in the police department in another way. So they might be in the communications department. They might be supporting in the finance department. It's a really big operation that APD has, and there are a lot of avenues for students to be able to serve. Mm. What has the reaction been so far? So far, it's been great. We have a um, we have a interest form, and uh, you're certainly welcome to go check that interest form out. Uh, if when you click on it, you can read some more information about the program. But that form uh, of the folks that have already indicated interest, I would say it's about 70% students of color. Um, so it's a really diverse group of individuals uh, that are there. You know, I think it's important that we not necessarily assume that folks uh, who may come from a diverse background aren't interested in service to their community. In fact, it can be a rallying call for them to say, actually, I do want to be there. I want to change what I'm seeing as a culture that may not reflect my neighborhood or my household. And so we want to provide students with that opportunity. And like you said earlier, they'll be working with police officers, right, in kind of a joint tandem apprenticeship. Yeah. What does that look like? Will they be going on calls? Will it be, you know, how does that work? So there'll be ride-alongs, and you have about 40 hours a week of volunteer time. So this is a notion of civic engagement uh, that we're really thinking about, um, and that's an annual 40-hour commitment or week commitment, right, of volunteer time across the year. Uh, and then every month there'll be eight hours of some kind of programming with the police department itself. Again, whether that be shadowing, whether that be ride-alongs, whether that be exposure to the different areas. Dr. Bobby Pace with Community College of Aurora, thank you so much for joining us for this Real Talk. Thank you. Dr. Bobby Pace is Vice President for Academic Success at the Community College of Aurora. Coming up, we're digging deeper into the push to bridge the gap between communities and police. After the break, how community leaders are working to build trust between their neighbors and the police who serve them. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Heffel. Distrust between communities and police, particularly communities of color, have increased calls for reform nationwide, including here in Colorado. Police departments across the state are trying to change the way they serve their communities, working to repair that trust that they've lost. We're joined now by Dr. Robert Davis, the executive director of the Denver Task Force to Reimagine Policing. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Thank Davis. you so much for having me today. Let's start from the beginning. How did this task force come about and why did you decide to lead it? Well, uh, first, the task force came about as a result of the murder of George Floyd uh, and Elijah McClain. And so uh, community wanted to uh, come together with the purpose of, de of developing a series of recommendations on how we can improve not just policing, but public safety as as a whole here in the city of Denver. And, and because I run my mouth too much, <laughs> uh, it kind of landed on me. But it was a community effort, a community initiative. At the time, I was the vice president for the Greater Metro Denver Ministerial Alliance. And, and so uh, we were kind of asked to lead out. And so the task kind of fell, fell in my lap. It's not my great leadership. It was really the community coming together and saying we need to bring this. And so I, I was privileged to be able to serve as the lead facilitator and now to continue that uh, uh, as the executive director. So essentially the voice of the people saying, hey, there are some serious issues we see with uh, the Denver Police Department. How has that 
relationship been between the, the, the task force that you're on and the Denver Police Force? Are they accepting recommendations? Can you talk a little bit about that relationship? So we had three phases. When we first started, the Denver Police Department was all on board, let's go, rah, rah, rah. Then we got to the middle phase where um, we actually had uh, Director Murphy Robinson to withdraw all of law enforcement, the entire Department of Safety from the task force. Uh, they said they were not going to work with us anymore. Our policy was that we continued to uh, keep the lines of communication open. So we continued to share with them what we were doing, how the thinking was progressing, what the recommendations were that we were developing. Then we had a transition to Director Salate, who's currently serving as Director of Public Safety. He reestablished communications with the task force. Um, he and then we had a transition with the chief of police as well. And Chief Thomas and Chief uh, Salate have been working uh, very closely with us. Of the 112 recommendation, the city has been intentional in, in, in implementing over 90 of them. Now, we still have a large conversation going on between the task force and the city as to how well those 90 plus recommendations have been implemented, but I'm very encouraged that we are having those conversations. That is that is really meant a lot to me. And what are some of the recommendations that stick out in particular to you that have been implemented that you really champion? Um, one of the things that, uh, and I, thank you so very much. I wish I had my researcher here <laughs> who, could, who could dive a little deeper into some of these. Uh, but, but one of the things that was important to us was, uh, for instance, uh, putting more of a focus on uh, design, city design, that would eliminate the need for law enforcement to uh, interact with citizens around traffic violations. We know that a lot of traffic stops are pretextual stops uh, that cause unnecessary interaction between law enforcement and citizens. So I think the city has been trying to make some moves uh, in removing armed officers from uh, crash investigations and things of that nature, accidents and things of that nature. So uh, that's a very good uh, positive step uh, that we see. Um, and then uh, as it relates to what we uh, did, you want me to get on the question about what we need to be start working toward? That's fine. Sure. Go okay. for it. Uh, oh, let me give an example of, of, of I'm sorry. Let me give one example of how the city has made a move and that we think that there needs to be some improvement. So uh, we're set, uh, that's the street enforcement team. We ask that we remove armed officers from interacting with our unhoused neighbors, uh, especially uh, removing of, uh, of camping sites and things of that nature. The city did that, but they set up what was called set, street enforcement team. And so now we have concerns that what we're transitioning to is still too much of law enforcement involvement because those that are part of the street enforcement team have the ability to issue citations, tickets. And so while we're moving in the right direction, there's still an awful lot for us to continue to talk about and to work through and to uh, and to work on. So I, I want to give two examples, one that was done, we thought, well, one that we believe needs uh, a lot more improvement. But you are seeing there is an open door between your your task force and, and the police department. Is that correct? There is an open door there. There's not like a closed. Yeah, we, we, yes, there's an open door between yeah. uh, the task force and the uh, Department of Safety. We don't see eye to eye on everything. And that's and, and that's one of the things that I appreciate uh, is that we don't see eye to eye. We have very honest conversations, but respectful conversations about our disagreements, uh, what's needed. Because th there is a fear that some people have of a police officer. I've felt it when I get pulled over for, for speeding or something like that. I'm like, okay, all right. And, and, and you feel this fear of like, is this going to be different? 
right? That must resonate with the people that you're talking to uh, in your community to say, we need to work on things like that. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. One of the things that is, is so important as we talk about public safety, in both for the officers as well as the community, is that we minimize the interaction between law enforcement and the community. And a lot of the solutions that you're seeing is actually trying to figure out how do we increase uh, interaction between law enforcement and community. And so what we're saying is, rather than asking law enforcement to do more, and, and, and this is what I mean by in increasing their interaction, we're asking law enforcement to serve as school hall monitors, to serve as behavioral experts, to serve as marriage therapists, uh, to serve as uh, mediators. We're asking them to be in our schools, to be on our streets, to be everywhere and to do everything. And we're also asking them to be um, youth uh, counselors and advisors. You know, we want to run everything through law enforcement. And then when we have these challenges, we get so frustrated and upset. So what we're saying is law enforcement has a very specific responsibility. Uh, that, that responsibility, uh, we believe, is to uh, investigate crimes that have been committed, apprehend uh, uh, individuals who have uh, been accused of committing crimes, and then uh, third of all is to intervene uh, where uh, possible. Uh, so that if we can if we can look at what they do best and put the focus there, rather than trying to add, what can we add on for law enforcement? Uh, that's where we believe a lot of the problems arise. And Dr. Davis, that's why I think it's important to note that this task force works kind of independently of the government. You you do interact and you do um, issue your recommendations, but you work independently. And you had another suggestion of how to further establish some independence away from policing, but still improve public safety. Can you talk about that plan? Yeah. We believe, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad you're using the word public safety, because we believe when it relates to gang violence, when it relates to uh, other uh, issues uh, that, that, that we've been asking law enforcement to think about solving, we believe that communities should be at the table coming up with these solutions. Communities should be saying, how do we keep our young people out of gangs? How do we keep our young people off the streets? How do we improve uh, education for our youth? These are community functions. How do we uh, uh, provide services for formerly incarcerated individuals? And so what we have requested uh, is something that is similar to what other cities have done, but, but what we, the model that we would bring here to Denver is, is so much superior, and that is an Office of Neighborhood Safety. Mm. An Office of Neighborhood Safety allows the community to come to the table and to work with elected officials and the Department of Safety to say these are the realistic solutions, and not just citywide, but also we can, when you have an office they say you can look in communities. Yeah, and by one and, and come with solutions. I see that. Dr. Robert Davis is the executive director of the Denver Task Force to Reimagine Policing. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week we'll be having a real talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.